Thanks, guys. Good morning. I don't know if we want this or not. We'll find out. <clears throat> you know, being prepared is a good is a good thing. I don't think anyone would argue with that. That, that being prepared is a good thing, and and particularly. We would, we would probably not argue with that because we're in this season of Advent, which is supposed to be a season of preparation, preparation to celebrate uh, Christ's arrival, Christ's birth, the breaking in of God into our world. And so we probably wouldn't argue with the fact that being prepared is a good thing. As a matter of fact, some of you have already spent a lot of time preparing for all of the stuff that goes along with Christmas, and then there's the rest of us. We could actually separate the preparers from the non-preparers with a few simple words that are, there's only 12 more days till Christmas. If, if that struck fear in your heart, you are a non-preparer. But you're in good company, well, I think. Not, not all of us are preparers, and, and Generally speaking, I am not a preparer. You know, there's, there's the kind of people, and, and this could be you, um, the kind of people that they get a new car, and, and you know, the first thing they do is it's just to set out to know everything about that car, and particularly about everything that they would need to know in case of an emergency. Like, for instance, a flat tire. Where, you know, where are all the parts located? Are the parts where they should be? What if it's nighttime and I need a flashlight to see what I'm doing? What about road flares and a reflective vest? And then there's me, who, who waits until I have the flat tire. But I have questions of my own. Does this car have a spare tire? If so, where is it located? Are there parts for that? Do, do I have the jack? And most importantly... Is the owner's manual in the glove compartment? Because that's where I'm going to find the answers to the rest of all of these questions. And now, when we think of being prepared, we think of the first kind of people, the people that answer the questions and, and get everything lined up ahead of time. Uh, they have the stuff, they have the skills, they've, they've thought it out, they have the know-how. They are prepared. I, I almost can't even... Talk about preparing and being prepared and preparers without thinking of preppers. I don't know if you, know, you guys know what preppers are, um, but these are preppers. Um, it's actually a phenomenon now. Doomsday preppers are prepping, you know, for what may come and the eventuality of, you know, everything going on in the politics of this world. And, and I mean, these people are the epitome of prepared. I think we have some more pictures. Uh, underground bunkers installed on their properties. Do we have a next picture, next slide? Yeah, on the left you see an underground bunker um, with ventilation and all kinds of supplies in there. Um, on the right you have all kinds of food that's stored and sorted and categorized and dated so that they know, you know, and these people are constantly replacing and using food so that in the event that they need to go underground it's all there. So I, I can't think of being prepared without thinking of preppers and I also um, can't help but think about this really annoying song uh, that's sung by a goat um, from Hoodwinked, and 
It goes something like this. need to hear that twice. <coughs> yeah, you're, you're welcome for that, by the way. Early Christmas gift. Um, so, you know, these are the things that we think of when we think of being prepared. Um, but as we open our Bibles this morning, we take a look at uh, the first chapter of Luke and a passage uh, there. Um, we're going to see that that's not the only idea of being prepared. And as we take a look at this passage, we may find, we just might find that maybe, just maybe, you can be completely unprepared and prepared at the same time. Uh, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the way you use it to teach us and instruct us, to encourage us and build us in our faith. And uh, Lord, we ask that your spirit would be present with us and with within us this morning as we open your word and study it that you would uh, speak truth and hope and life and plant seeds that would go on to bear much fruit for your kingdom and we ask it all in Christ's precious name amen well as I said we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and many of you will recognize this passage as the birth of John the Baptist and it starts off in, in verse 5 of chapter 1. It says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Men take note from Zechariah, a very wise man. He refers to himself as an old man. 
and yet uses the more politically correct terminology, advanced in years for his wife. I highly suggest this approach. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. There's a lot in this passage, but we're going to zone in this morning particularly on verse 17, verses 16 and 17, where the angel speaks of the mission of John the Baptist. It says, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And then keying in on this last phrase, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an emphatic statement. It's almost redundant the way it's phrased, to make ready a people prepared. Um, it could be, it could be uh, translated to make ready a people made ready or to make prepared a people who are prepared uh, for the Lord. <clears throat> and we see this idea of being prepared, a people who are ready not only in the mission of John the Baptist, uh, a mission that was in the future, um, but we also see it in Zechariah and Mary, or Zechariah and Elizabeth and the way they received uh, this word from the angel. Now, we can't, we're not too surprised that Zechariah would have trouble believing um, that he and his wife would conceive and have a baby um, in their old age. <clears throat> but we see from Elizabeth's response um, that they were indeed prepared, and the Lord had been preparing them for this time. And the fact of the matter is that the Father is still looking for people who are prepared, uh, people who are prepared to respond to the Lord in the same way that John was preparing people to respond to the coming of Jesus and to his message. Uh, to use an Advent term, uh, the Lord is looking for people who are anticipating, even expecting his movement in their lives, for God to break in in a unique way and reveal his purpose uh, and plans for them. Our, our response often in these situations, of course, <clears throat> is to say, no, 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 I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. But this goes back to our definition of prepared, because when we say, I'm not ready, I'm not prepared, what we often mean is, I don't have it all planned out. But prepared does not necessarily mean all planned out. I, I highly doubt that Zechariah and Elizabeth in their old age had this all planned out. 
Uh, They were closer to preparing their own funerals than they were for welcoming a child. Uh, There was no nursery in the house set up with a crib and and clothes. Um, They hadn't been planning on enrolling in Lamaze classes. Um, They had failed to schedule that class, How to Raise a Prophet 101. Um, They they were completely unprepared for the fact that God was going to break into their lives uh, the way He did and when He did. But the fact of the matter is, uh, their faith and their trust in the Lord, as we see them described in this passage, that they were upright before the Lord. They were indeed prepared, even for the things that they were completely unprepared for, because they were ready to respond to the unprepared. And other times we'll say, no, 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 I'm not prepared uh, because I don't have all of the answers But the fact of the matter is, in this context, being prepared doesn't mean having all of the answers. God isn't looking for you to have all of the answers. God is only looking for one answer. Yes. Uh, That when He calls, that we are ready to respond and we are ready to place our faith and our trust in Him. He's not looking for us to have it all planned out. He's not looking for us to have all of the answers. He's just looking for people who are ready to respond. Uh, Daryl Bach, an expert uh, scholar on the book of Luke, in speaking on this passage, writing on this passage, talks about God looking for a responding group of people. This idea of being prepared Is people ready to respond, ready to follow where the Lord is leading? In this series, we've been talking a lot about having a place at the table, and and the beautiful thing about a people who are ready to respond and and people who are living in community is that you and I have the opportunity to share in each other's story as we have a seat at the table with one another. Uh, that this community, this intimacy, we get to hear from others about how the Lord has moved, how the Lord has worked, how He has been faithful in other people's lives. We hear about the struggles and the hardships, even moments of defeat. But we also hear about the adventures that the Lord introduces people to, the adventures He brings them through, the victory that he gives and his faithfulness in all circumstances. And I actually have a story to share with you. Some friends of ours uh, at North Bible Church, many of you may know them, Brad and Zuri Shire, have been coming here for years. And uh, I managed to talk Brad into uh, sharing their story with us and then was surprised to see that Zuri tagged along Um, as well and was willing to contribute. She hadn't been feeling well in the days prior. But it's a great, it's a great story of how the Lord began uh, to work in their lives and shortly after began putting uh, things in their path that he wanted them to respond to, things that he wanted them to say yes to. And when you hear this story, you'll understand that they required a high degree of trust in the fact that God was in fact calling them 
to these things. But what I want you to see is their willingness to respond and how the Lord worked in these uh, things. So let's watch the first video. I met her at Payway, and her brother worked for me, and they came in one night when he was off on her birthday, and walked in and said, uh, this is my, you know, I'm, I'm coming to dinner here, and I, I looked at this girl, and I didn't know if it was his girlfriend or not, so later I said, hey, is that your girlfriend? And he said, no, that's my sister. And I said, well, I have news for you, I'm gonna marry your sister someday. <laughs> And uh, I guess I called my shot before I knew. <laughs> you guys meet in 2005 or 6. Mm -hmm. Meet in 2005. Mm -hmm. Get married in 2007. Right? Fast forward a few years, and now you're getting to the point where you have some concern about Missouri's paperwork and being in the country. Yeah. Illegally. Mm -hmm. And so in 2012, at the height of the drug war, which seems to have its center at Ciudad Juarez on the border with El Paso, Texas, yeah. you guys decided you're going to take um, a not only risky but dangerous journey yeah. down to Mexico because that's what's required to make her paperwork right. right. And so, can kind of explain to us how the Lord was working in those circumstances and, and what he was doing in your heart to set in motion all these things. So we had we were already working the process. We had already submitted all of our paperwork to the Department of Homeland Security. We had a lawyer and everything else that we needed to complete the process. We had not been baptized and through the process, Zuri was adamant that before the family got separated, she was feeling a tugging on her heart to be baptized. So once you accept Christ in your heart, it's obedience to be baptized. So we, we, we decided, well, I'm gonna get baptized. But I don't know if anybody knew that in about two weeks after that, we were getting ready to embark on our trip to see it out of Barnes. But we eventually decided that we were gonna have to take this leap of faith because we needed to fix it, but we knew that God had paved the way, and what we would pray before that was that we know that you go before us, you go after us, and you go with us. So it wasn't a matter of, of being fearful anymore. I mean, obviously the flesh every now and again would come into factor, but we had to make a decision to make things right. We weren't going to hide forever, and the Lord wouldn't have wanted that for us. And so there were risks, physical risks, security yeah. risks, going into Ciudad Juarez, which is where you had to go to start this process. Yeah. But there were other risks as well. There were risks that the process may not go as you had hoped. And so give us, shed us a little light on what, you know, what kind of, so to speak, chips were on the table, what outcomes, you know, were possible that, that would have been completely undesirable in your eyes. We didn't know when we were meeting with our attorney, it could have been anywhere from four months until a year to the worst case scenario, which was 10 years. So when we were actually driving across the border, I remember that right when we got through, just I felt like a weight was lifted off of our shoulders. And I said, honey, you're, you're home. And uh, this is, you're free. You know, we don't have to hide anymore. But the second thing, you know, I looked at her and we had tears rolling down our faces and I said, 
but you can't come back right now. And we just left our kids in, in Arizona. Someone else that we don't share is the, the miracle in this whole thing. The day that she was able to get her documents in the mail, she received she received her documents in the mail. So there was a lot of a lot of things in motion, but you know the, we know that it, God set all those things in place and He used all of it for His glory and His plan. Um, then we had our victory walk when we got to stroll through the border, and it was it was just uh, it was just God. It was just God's glory. And we we prayed and we just got on our knees and we just cried out to God and just thanked Him, and it was just. It was just it was just an amazingly godly process from day one to when we got it back. And God the way that I see God is just trusting. Like no matter where you're going, it's just trusting that that the way that um and I always don't understand. Sometimes it's not the way that we're expecting to go through things, but it's, it's going to be casual. Easy or hard. Difficult, it's going to be casual. Not only do we know that it's coming from that, but it's going to be okay. But we had no <coughs> intention of even attempting to do this. And God just filled us with. With, with the courage that we needed to go through it. And we, we didn't know what was around the corner. But let me, let me repeat that. We knew that God was around the corner. I met her. <clears throat> yeah, you know, the, we had to cut a lot of the stuff from the video. We had such a great interview with them and the things that they shared. But you may recall how bad Ciudad Juarez was at that time. Um, but the Border Patrol was actually stopping people from going from the U.S. into Ciudad Juarez, and their lawyer had to gun it across the border to even get into Mexico um, so that they could start this process. And, uh, and then the entire week that they spent in Ciudad Juarez, they said it was like the drug war just stopped. No violence, no killings, no shootings, nothing, uh, until uh, she was able to get farther south to where she needed to be as this process played out. Well, that was 2012. Um, Zuri returned to the United States. Um, everything she needed, that victory walk across the border in November 2012, and then not long after that, uh, Brad attended one of our men's man weekends, and uh, there was a speaker there who really challenged him about serving and about how he was spending his life and uh, ways he could contribute or could be contributing to the kingdom. And it got him asking questions about, you know, how can I use my life to serve um, rather than just, you know, pursuing the American dream uh, like I've been doing? Does the Lord have something more for me? And in 2014, the Lord began that process. And uh, he eventually left a, a very good career with a, with a big corporation, international corporation, to uh, become the head of the food services at Phoenix Rescue Mission. Um, and so in this next clip, they're going to share with us a little bit about that process and that journey. So leaving the promising corporate job that he had to come work at a non 
nonprofit ministry. I'm assuming you were on board for that, and the Lord was in that as well for you. Some fears and hesitations about it. experiencing right now is actually the phenomenon that I want to talk about next and it's a it's an important principle that we learn from this and that's that prepared people prepare people uh, that prepared people prepare people uh, that is you and I are prepared to respond in a in a way that says yes I'll follow that we say yes Lord I believe you're in that I'm going to trust you in that. We prepare others seated at this table with us uh, to respond the same way 
in the future. Our, our story gives courage to their story. Our, our faith and stories of faithfulness of God speak that into their lives and set the table for them to say yes. Because every time you say yes, you further prepare everyone who is watching you to say yes. The Bible doesn't come out and say it explicitly, but Elizabeth, Elizabeth's willingness set the table for Mary's willingness. Have you ever noticed that when Mary says, how will this be because I'm a, I'm a virgin? Uh, part A to the answer is the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And part B is uh, your relative Elizabeth is already participating in this. And she who was barren and advanced in years is already six months along in the process. She was prepared. She said yes. And at hearing these things, Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me as you have said. Prepared people prepare people. Every time you say yes, you further prepare those who are watching you say yes. They begin to think to themselves, maybe I could be accepted. Maybe I could grow. Maybe I could bless. Maybe I could go. Your decisions, your willingness to follow prepares others to do the same. And so the question becomes, are we a people prepared? Are we ready to respond? Are we ready to follow? What word best describes you when it comes to the idea of God placing a call or asking some act of obedience from you? What word best describes you? Are you prepared? Are you preoccupied? Are you procrastinating? Are you playing prevent defense? Are you prepared? Are we prepared? Equally as important, are, are there things in your life that God has done or been doing that you are hiding from the rest of us at the table? Things the way he's speaking into your life, leading you, decisions that you've made. Maybe just because of a whisper in your ear. But nobody knows what the Lord's doing. Share your story. Because as we say your, see your willingness to say yes, we will be encouraged to say yes as well. And is there a call that you've been resisting? Is there something that you know you should do? And you just aren't doing it. It may be fear. It may be passive-aggressive. But you know there's something that you should do. And the Lord's just waiting. Waiting for you to say yes. 
And then finally, what one thing do you think you could do to be better prepared to respond when the Lord looks across from this table, assuming you've left a chair open for Him? As we know, He will look and He will ask. The question is, are we prepared? Prepared to respond? Ready to follow? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word, that it's truth. Thank you for the way you sow these seeds into our hearts. Lord, I pray for each one of us seated in here today. That you would use Brad and Zuri's story to encourage us. Remind us that you are faithful, you are good. And as Brad said, that you are around every corner, even when we don't know what else is. Give us faith. Help us to be prepared. In Jesus' name, amen.